0: So we're going to change our routine a little bit, and I'm just going to put the readings up, um, and Christine, once that comes up, Christine's going to read the first one, um, and then Elsa's going to read um, the second one. So So what we're going to talk about the next next three weeks is why the church needs to physically meet. Um, And it might seem a bit perverse to... Uh, to say that even in the times when we decided we're not going to physically meet but I think it's actually really important um, that we don't settle um, in the pattern that we're in Um, even though you can sit on your sofa and have your cup of tea um, and um, you can roll out of bed five minutes before um, should should you choose Um, we we don't get sweets from John you know there are all kinds of other things that we are that we are missing uh, along the way and I want to talk through those I'll um, be in the next few weeks um, so our first reading then is um, oh I've missed something out let me, well let's let's do the reading first and then we'll we'll come back to the um, we'll come back to that, I want to see what the kids have made but let's do the reading first, Christine then if you can um, if you can Six just give 31. us yeah, just Six this
1: 31. yeah then God said let us make mankind in our image in our likeness
0: So, having another little reading, Genesis 2, this is from Elsa.
1: This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, and the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. The Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth the water, the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust, and, from the dust of the ground, and breathed it into his nostrils the breath of life, and then, and became a living being.
0: So let's think about this, this question, why, why the church needs um, to physically meet? Why does the church need to physically meet? In other words, what, my question uh, this morning is, is why can't we um, just carry, you know, we started on Zoom, it works after a passion, why, can't we, just, um, why don't, can't we just carry on uh, indefinitely uh, meeting over Zoom? And the answer is that we're bodily made, we're bodily saved, we will be bodily raised, and therefore God should be bodily praised. Um, and if you can remember those four, then you've got most of it already. Uh, we're bodily made, we're bodily saved, we will be bodily raised, and therefore God is to be bodily praised. He is to be uh, praised and worshipped um, by us in our bodies um, as a body of the church, um, physically united together. Um, but let's just let me give that a little bit more um, detail. So hopefully you can still see my screen. And it is kind of time to take take stock a little. I think one of the hard things about lock time is this time to take stock occurs about every fortnight um, while the rules change and we kind of wonder what to do. Um, we, we've moved out of panic mode. I, th- I think we kind of like, I think we got out of panic mode, you know, within a couple of weeks, really, um, into sort of temporary solution mode. Um, we managed to get online uh, and, and onto Zoom. Uh, and fundamentally, um, what's happened over Zoom is that in the main, um, we're meeting together. Um, so this morning, I think the maximum we, we've had is kind of about 65 connections. So this morning there are 60, um, 60 of, uh, connections in there, out there, that represents about 100 people, um, probably this morning. Um, it's an amazing thing we can do. It's a great thing you have done, um, is to meet on Zoom. Um, but the question is, the question is where, where next? Um, and, and the answer is this, I think that, that Zoom will be um, part of what we do um, for a while, um, and we've made, uh, as we go along, I think you'll, you'll start to work out why we've made that decision why we're not opening this morning for worship. Um, but I wanted to ask you the question, why does the church need to, to physically meet? Um, and the second question is, what have we lost if we don't? Because I guess they're, they're, they're part of the same um, question. But there's a question before we get to that why should the church physically meet and that is why should the church meet at all um why does the why do churches meet um and the first part of the answer to that is um it's in our very nature Uh, the greek word for church and there's a similar word in hebrew in the old testament is ecclesia Uh, and ecclesia is a word which simply means kind of called out Um, and ecclesia is is a word in the new testament for gathering and even on one occasion it's used not of a church, but um, uh, a gathering of the, of the Greek, um, I can't remember where it is now, the gathering of the people for a, for a kind of legal, uh, a legal meeting. Um, so the very word for church is gathering. Um, and so this word means uh, a meeting called together. It's fundamental uh, to the nature of church um, that we gather. We couldn't be church if we didn't gather. And so when you were called by God, Um, you were called to meet with his church too. So I take it there was a moment where you knew that God called you uh, into his kingdom, he called you into a relationship with you, uh, when you said yes to that, whether you realised it or not, you said yes to being part of his church, and you accepted a second call, uh, which was a call to meet with his people. It's an impulse given by the Holy Spirit. Uh, You see it in new Christians um uh they when people become christians they want to meet um with with god's people sadly i think as people go on sometimes that impulse uh, seems to wane a little bit which it shouldn't um and we see it in pentecost if you go back to pentecost when the spirit comes in power come upon the church um they met didn't they and they met a lot um they met in people's houses they met in the temple's courts Uh, They met joyfully, they met over meals, um, they they met for communion. So it's fundamental to the church that it meets, and we're reminded explicitly, a famous passage in Hebrews, uh, not to to give up meeting together. Let me read it to you, Hebrews 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place um, by the blood of Jesus, the most holy place is God's presence, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we're called explicitly because of what Jesus has done us, because we have access uh, to God the Father through Christ um, to not give up meeting together. That's one of the applications. And do you notice that um, why should we not Give uh, up meeting together because um, meeting together is a key part of your encouragement uh, to one another in Christ. Um, it says that before. Let us consider how we may spur one another on, and it says it afterwards in encouraging one another. So meeting together is 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 one of the key ways you can encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you give up, um, you discourage. them the next part of the question is, why does that need to be a physical meeting? Why can't we stay on Zoom forever? And the first part of this answer is that we're bodily made. We, we, are, we are people with bodies. <laughs> I mean, It's an obvious thing, isn't it? Um, we're bodily made. God made a, a physical world. Um, I, why did he do that? When God is spirit, I, I don't know, except that I know the answer to that is that He created us uh, for His glory because the Bible tells us that. Um, but we do know the how. Um, he took some of the dust uh, and He made a man, and then He breathed life into Him. If you take away the life that God gives, you're left with dust again. Um, and that's what we say at the, at the funeral service we say, um, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, when the when oh, the breath of life, the life that God has given us gone we're just left with with dust, and on the one hand we are um, the same stuff as the earth, um, and on the other hand we are made uh, have the very breath of, of god in us um, but there's a question um, and you may find this a strange way of expressing this, but are we are we and um, Animated body, or are we an embodied soul? Um, what and why does this matter? Um, Western thought tends to think of us as kind of an embodied souls, so but the really important part of us is the inner bit. Um, I think that human beings are body and soul, or a body and spirit. So I think that those two terms, soul and spirit, are largely um, interchangeable. Um, and in Western thought, for a while, we, we uh, thought of as um, Embodied souls, the important bit is the soul and the body is a kind of nuisance. Um, well Hebrew thought was kind of the other way around. Um, the Hebrew was that we were animated um, animated creatures, um, an animated body, um, so the, the Hebrew thought they wouldn 't have understood this thing that we think of uh, as kind of body and soul, but we tend to think um, that the body is more important. Um, Sorry, the soul is more important, and I want to kind of undermine that thought in, um, in, in these three sermons. Um, we're made body and soul, and we're made in the image of God. And so the Christian life involves our bodies. I mean, I, I'm sure you've realised this, but I think it just bears repeating. Um, as, as humans with body and spirit, both of them are, are naturally corrupt. In our sinful selves, neither is is, um, holy. And as Christians, when the Holy Spirit um, comes and lives and works within us, um, he transforms our attitudes, what we do with our minds, and and therefore he transforms our actions, and what we do with our bodies. Both of those things have have to change. So Romans 6 says, um, Paul says, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Um, so you base evil desires. And I want to read to you a bit from Romans Romans 8. Um, I'm going to stop sharing for a minute. I want to read to you a bit from Romans 8 and just talk it through. So, so Paul says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to kind of um, try and take this back to the original reading, um, where Paul uses this word sarx, which is an old, uh, a Greek word for flesh. Um, because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has let you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of flesh um, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who don't live according to the flesh, but according to the to the spirit. So God has put his spirit in us. In the Old Testament, the, the laws came in from the outside, um, but they didn't work because the people had sinful flesh, uh, because their flesh was not up to this job uh, of obeying the law. But Paul says you've been given the, the spirit of God, and the idea is this will work out um, into your deeds. So let me read this. Those who live according to to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those of their, who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the f- flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, it doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. It's really important if you're um, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit and if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you and if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ they don't belong to Christ but if Christ is in you then even though your body is subject to death because of sin the Spirit gives life because of righteousness and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you, I know this is all Paul and so it's all a bit complicated, but if the Spirit, God's Spirit, through whom he raised Christ from the dead, he took his body from being dead to being alive, is in you, he will give life to your mortal bodies. In other words, from the inside out, he will give you the strength um, so that your mortal bodies um, do godly things. And therefore, Paul says, you have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, it's to the Spirit. If by the Spirit, um, if you live according to the flesh you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body you will live. So it's just a long winded way of saying what I've just said there, in in short form, that you have the Spirit of God within you, you have the Spirit that raised Christ um, from the dead within you, uh, and by that Spirit, by keeping in step with that Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, and so that your body acts more and more like Jesus this is important we call that sanctification this is the Christian life so the Christian life it, it, our, our bodies are a fundamental part of our Christian life we, we're creating Christ Jesus to do good works which is prepared in advance for us too you can't do them um, without your bodies um, being active so what we do with our bodies is, is important and actually, it's not just. So what this means is, and Paul makes this clear in Romans twelve that the whole of our life, um, that worship is involves our bodies, and worship involves all of our lives. And it's clear here, isn't it? From let me share. Sorry, you're not seeing this. Um, let me share this screen with you again, and then you'll understand. So worship involves our bodies, and worship is a is a whole life thing. Paul says this, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing and perfect will. So this is the pattern that we've kind of outlined already. In Paul, our our minds are renewed. Our minds are renewed as we come to his word and as uh, the spirit goes to work on them. Uh, We learn new convictions. But as our minds are renewed, we are also empowered by that same word um, for our actions um, to be different. And interestingly, Paul uses in in this passage a whole load of uh, words which sort of relate to Old Testament uh, worship in, in view of god 's mercy a um, uh, sacrifice holy and, and pleasing to God, um, holy um, like an holy in the sense of unblemished, like you brought an unblemished sacrifice to God, um, pleasing to God like the aroma um, was pleasing to God um, this is your true this is your rational or reasonable um, worship, but what would have shocked um, People in the Greco-Roman world was Paul's insistence that we offer our bodies um, as uh, living sacrifices. I've got a quote from John Stott here. Um, No worship is pleasing to God which is purely inward, abstract, and mystical. It must express itself in concrete acts of service uh, performed by our bodies. Can I read that again? No worship is pleasing to God which is purely inward abstract and mystical. It must express itself in concrete acts of service performed by our bodies. And if that's worship, um, our minds are renewed and so that all our actions become worship, then uh, how much more is that true of church when we gather? It has to be something we do in action, not something we do just in speech or kind of mystical union. So let me just run through them. What, what are the key mistakes if we don't, if we don't get a hold of this? It's, it's really tempting because Western thought has said this for a couple of hundred years or more, or maybe 400 years. I think it's our souls that matter and not our bodies. not true um, in Christian thought. Um, so in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says of the Corinthians, he says, you say food for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy them both. So the Corinthian people would say um, food's meant for the stomach, The stomach's meant for the food, God will destroy them both. It doesn't matter. Just, um, I eat what I like, I eat as much as I like. And Paul says the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. That's a different way. Not food for the body, body for food, and it doesn't matter what's happening, it's all going to die. He says uh, the body uh, is for the Lord, and the Lord, is, the Lord is for the body. Don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you received from God? You are not your own; you bought bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I think another mistake. This is one uh, I, I, well, I can't um, justify from Scripture, but I think sometimes under stress, um, we we retreat into we retreat into our minds. I think sometimes I've been doing that all my life, um, and I think some people it's it's a temptation, a tendency for some people we retreat back into our heads into our thought lives, uh, disappear into a book and onto a screen. Um, And that's a mistake because the the Christian life involves our our bodies. And actually what we do with our bodies affects our thinking, not only our thinking affecting our bodies. I think sometimes as Christians we think somehow we can love without actions. Uh, And James says this, What good is it, brothers and sisters, someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. One of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Um, Faith, love, um, works itself out into actions uh, through our bodies. We're bodily creatures, we're bodily made. Uh, And in a similar way, James says, uh, you might think we're wise, but you can't be wise. Without actions, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, let them show it um, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. I think we make a mistake if we think that that worship is is just for Sundays. We've seen that already, haven't we? That worship is is for all the week. So, we're made in a body um, to worship God in and through our bodies. Um, throughout the week what have we lost then Uh, meeting over zoom we're we're called to meet together and I think the balance for us as a church and as we've looked at it as um, as elders um, is the lovely thing over zoom is we're together in number Uh, if we want to meet together um, this is the way we can get the maximum number of people in one place but we sacrifice another aspect of together which is the, the, the quality uh, of our togetherness. Um, we, we lose, when we meet over Zoom, we lose dimensions of communication. We're made as bodily beings. And um, so they say, don't they, that some vast proportion of communication is, is non-verbal. And really over Zoom, all, all we get is, is primarily um, the verbal uh, communication. We've lost some dimensions of communication. And I think one of the things we I think we're holding to as best we can over Zoom a, a sense of a corporate response to something, but actually there's nothing like you know responding to a, a sermon or a testimony with a hymn and you have that sense that it's touched everybody's heart, um, and and everybody bursts um, forth in, in praise. We've we've lost something. We lose over Zoom something of that sense that we're coming under the Word of God um, together. We're sensing move of the Spirit of God amongst us together uh, and we're responding um, and we're responding together um, in praise and worship and commitment can the spirit of God still move over zoom of course He can Um, the spirit is not limited he is there um, with you this moment this this morning Um, otherwise what would be the point of say fever radio broadcasting gospel messages into um, countries which don't know the gospel whether all those dimensions kind of missing so I just want to give you a few practical suggestions uh, before we move on let me give you these practical suggestions actually the first one um, would be keep meeting don't don't retreat I think it's very easy in lockdown time to, to go further than we need to in retreat, and I think uh, I feel like I've been guilty of this at times. The, the you think, oh gosh, the virus is out there, and we retreat into our minds or we retreat into our houses um, more than we actually need to. Um, y- you can uh, see people, you can meet people, you can uh, you can visit people now um, with with the appropriate kind of uh, restrictions in place. Look after your body. Um, speak to myself, um, I won't ask you to put your hands up if you put weight on in lockdown, because uh, that would just be embarrassing to me, um, as, as well as to other people, um, but look after your body, because your body is a temple a temple of the Holy Spirit, um, you, your body matters, um, because your body is a vehicle by which you work out your worship, uh, the worship that is um, acts towards other people, so look, look after your body um, in this time, We will keep meeting together as as we're able. I'm so grateful to you that you keep turning up on Zoom on Sunday mornings. Um, But I think that's the impulse of the Spirit of God. It was there right from the word go when we knew we were going to be locked down. Uh, I think it was uh, a work of God amongst us, uh, an impulse of the Spirit to to get online and and to meet. It's it's a great thing. Um, For the moment, um, until we can understand and mitigate the risk, until we can get to a point where we can uh, perhaps get uh, more people into church and, and where we can meet in church without losing some of this sense of togetherness, we'll, we'll be on Zoom. So I think we, it's worth saying we will be on Zoom until at least the end of August and then we'll take stock. Um, partly we need some new technological solutions in church so, that we, can, um, so we can manage getting some people into church and, and some people still on Zoom. But well, I would say add in the physical dimension until we can meet again. Um, and, and this means for you to take a little bit of um, uh, for a little bit of initiative. Um, so you can still encourage people by meeting with them. Um, you just can't do it all together on a, on a Sunday morning. Um, so various groups around the church, um, uh, F club uh, leaders took some little goodie bags to F Club. Uh, members, and I think that encouraged some of them to come back and, and meet on Zoom, but just gave them a sense that we're meeting together. I think Bill's CD delivery has been a labor of love, um, and we ought to praise him highly for it. I can say when oh, he's not here this morning, and I'm going to do it today, and I recognize that it's kind of hard work. Uh, it's been a labor of love, um, but you can do a little bit of that um, along the week. Um, add in some physical meetings, and also we don't get a sense of corporate response to to what we've spoken about on a Sunday morning. But maybe you put that on the WhatsApp group chat. We'd love to see if you could say, "This is what this meant to me this morning. This is what um, this is what I thought about it," so that we have a sense that we're coming under the, the Word of God together. And I think the other thing we need to do is is, is to lament, um, to lament. It's right to be um, sad about things that we, we don't have. It, it's, it's an appropriate response um, to grieve. And if we don't grieve what we've not got, um, we will be building, uh, building up a fund of grief that we have to um, deal with later on down the line. I'm deeply missing the, the corporate sun uh, praise uh, but even when we have it, I think sometimes we think we can uh, praise our way out of situations uh, as if we're doing a kind of um, a positive thinking exercise. Uh, and that's not what it is. And that's not what the Psalms are. The Psalms kind of lead us in, in, in what our uh, what our sun worship should be. So often the, the, the psalmist starts with complaint, starts with trouble, um, thinks it through, brings it into the presence of God, and then ends up with praise, um, because they've brought it into God's presence, and, and, they've, and they've seen um, what He is and who He does and how that transforms things. But that's not praise as a kind of positive thinking exercise. That's praise of bringing that, that's, end, uh, that's come out of wrestling with one's struggles in the presence of God. Um, but some of the psalms don't even have that. Um, some of the psalms are I just lament. We're allowed to kind of sing sound songs. Um, I don't entirely know how we do that practically. It's one of the things that's bugged me in lockdown, that I think somewhere in the midst of all we do, um, and in the good things we have and the praise we have, there ought to be this little melody of melody of lament. And to be honest, I don't really know how to do it except to come back um, to the scriptures and, and, and keep using them. So these songs that we're going to look like... Um, uh, and I'm going to ask you to memorize in due course. When, um, some of those have an element of, of, of lament. It's this; they, they speak of this bittersweet um, experience of of coming back to this rebuilt temple, where the presence of God seems to be less, and the building is uh, and the building is is smaller. So, really, just as I finish, I'm going to, I'm going to read one of these uh, to you. Um, I'm just going to read to you Psalm Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. There were good times in the past. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations, "The the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. It's a bit of looking back. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, um, carrying sheaves with them. And you can just imagine the people of Judah singing that. and Maybe we sing that. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev, like the streams would come back, they would dry up in the summer, they come back in the winter. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying cheese with them. Let me pray. Father God, there are many things we grieve as there are many things we have to rejoice in. And Lord, we do rejoice in the good things you've done for us, not least that you've saved us in Christ. But Lord, even before we were locked down, your your church was largely demeaned and diminished in this country. And we grieve how it has been treated. And we grieve, it seems to have lost the the power to, to witness to you and who you are. And we ask you, Lord, restore our fortunes. Lord, we want to come back to our building. We want to be people who can praise together again. Lord, for the moment, we will sow with tears in the hope that we'll reap with songs of joy. And Lord, we will go with that, with our seed, our bits of conversation, our witness to Christ. And we will go out weeping, weeping and sowing, Lord, and we ask that you will uh, return a harvest, bring a harvest out of that that we can rejoice over in Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen.